Coming to you from a cozy little condo high atop old Fourth Ward, Atlanta. Welcome, Welcome to the Ron Show on America One Radio. Here's your host, Ron Roberts. All right, and a good Wednesday morning to you. Ash Wednesday as it is. Also Valentine's Day. And yes, I'll go ahead and say it if you won't say it first. I love you. Thank you for listening to The Ron Show on the America One Radio app, AmericaOneRadio.com, wherever you podcast. Uh, lots to cover today. There is a new movement in the Cobb County School Board v. Katie Rinderley. In fact, there now is a Katie Rinderley v. Cobb County School Board lawsuit. Uh, we'll dive into what that lawsuit entails uh, a little bit later in the show. Marjorie Taylor Greene seems to want now to take on the writers of Curb Your Enthusiasm. <laughs> Why not? Uh, let's see what else. Oh, the Daily Show last night. No John Stewart. Remember, he's just one night a week. Uh, anyway, Jordan Klepper and the company there kind of tripped up on why we cannot trust even the non-MAGA Republican Party. Homeland Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas impeached by the U.S. House. Okay, so they got their vote in. And by the way, notably got that vote in while one Democratic member was away having to quarantine because she tested positive for COVID. And shortly before a New York house race to fill the vacated George Santos seat went Democrats way. They got that in by one vote and it'll go nowhere in the U S Senate, obviously because they don't have enough votes there to make anything happen with it. And obviously even if it, it you know, it, it's not going to, we don't even have to worry about that. It's, it's, it's theater. It's, it's more show ponying, just like uh, Governor Brian Kemp from here in the state of Georgia, now sending National Guard troops to the Texas border, all the while the Republican led House of Representatives stalled, killed essentially a historic bipartisan Senate immigration bill that President Joe Biden said he would have signed as soon as he got it. Speaker of the House Mike Johnson at the behest of former President Donald Trump snuffed that out. Republicans don't want to talk about that. Dana Bash at CNN, however, said that voters in this special House race did. And listen, I never actually went to journalism school, but I will say this. I know that one of the edicts in journalism is Reporters should never become the story. But I think Dana Bash honestly tries to become a little bit of the story here. I want you to hear what she had to say. Anecdotal evidence from uh, the reporter on the scene at the special house race in New York. This was last night on CNN. I heard from voters that they were very, now these are obviously um, very well-informed voters, right. but they were they were at the polling station. They were voting early. And several of them said to me that they don't uh, want to vote for the Republican because it's clearly impossible to get a solution on the issue of immigration. They said border, uh, the border problem, the immigration issue, uh, the migrant issue in their district was the top issue for them. And that the fact that Republicans killed that bipartisan deal uh, put them over the edge to vote for Tom Swazi. And immigration was their top issue. So I think that there's something. First, let me just say, I have watched Dana Bash on CNN for years. I have a lot of respect for Dana Bash. I love her presentation. I think she's a fine reporter. I, however, do think at the same time that this sort of anecdotal evidence, if it is evidence, is sort of flimsy. How many voters did you hear from, Dana? 
dozens, two, one, three. She says voters plural, so it can't be one. Could be two. Could be seven. But I question the validity of there being an enormous amount of Long Island, Suffolk County, Queensboro voters who were so moved by the GOP stalling the most recent bipartisan immigration bill that it swayed their decision on how to vote in this special house race. I do. I just question that. I, I don't, I personally don't think that that marinade has settled into the meat enough. Now we on the left have plenty of time to keep pointing that out. And it's not the first time that Republicans have smothered bipartisan immigration proposals before they've done it a lot in the last 30 years, actually. And Democrats being poor with messaging have not done a very good job of pointing that out. They've got nine months or so to keep hammering that point home and need to because Democrats and President Joe Biden are so underwater with American voters when polled on immigration. And we can have a discussion about what to or what not to believe in polling. Last night, the former congressman, new again congressman, being sworn in today, as a matter of fact, was expected to, if when at all, eke out a very tight race. And he won by, what was it, 7.8% of the vote? Not insignificant, not a landslide, but a higher margin than expected. Anyway, back to what Dana said. Several voters told her that they voted for Swazi because Republicans tanked the bipartisan border security deal. I just, I just don't know that the marinade's in the meat long enough for that to have any taste. You know what I mean? Also, this notion that well-informed voters, she characterized them as well-informed voters who are just now turning on the GOP. Because of the immigration bill. Really? Sorry, but if you're a well-informed voter, you should have showered on the GOP a long time ago. Hey, in a matter of bipartisanship, though, let's give some credit where it's due. We last night saw something that we haven't seen in a long time. A Republican admits that they lost without accusing any sort of nefarious intent behind the scenes. No, nothing rigged. She just said she lost. Yes, we lost, what? but it doesn't mean we're going to end here. I did. Amen. I did call my opponent. I congratulated him. Over on the Victoria side, Tom Swasey with a message for those in Congress and Republicans who just keep defending Donald Trump. Let's send a message to our friends running the Congress these days. Stop running around for Trump and start running the country. It's time to find common ground and start delivering for the people of the United States of America. The people are watching. They want us to start working together. So our message is very clear. Either get on board or get out of the way. Yeah.
Yeah. So, you know what? That's a popular message. And I think that's another one that Democrats can bottle up and take with them the next nine months. There is that sentiment throughout the country. Unfortunately, because of gerrymandering, so many House seats are baked in already. We, we allow this, this system for politicians to choose their voters instead of voters to choose their politicians. So I, I, can you expect a blue wave in November? I, I don't even know that this particular House race is some sort of bellwether, some sort of canary in the coal mine, something that tells us what to expect in November. Although, if you are one that sits up late at night and watches CNN or MSNBC and the pundits opine about this, you, you can't escape the thought that this is somehow a repudiation of the GOP or an embrace of uh, Bidenomics or Biden-Harris or the Democratic agenda. I, I, I hesitate. I, I think this was a repudiation of George Santos and another candidate who, by the way, like Santos, wasn't heavily vetted prior to winding up the nominee for the party to run for that seat. And I'm not going to sit here, although Fox and Friends did this morning, I'm not going to sit here and, and talk too much about the weather, uh, how the snow affected things, because it, 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 I believe on Fox and Friends it was even pointed out, well, by 2 o'clock the streets were fine. No big deal. Get out and vote. I, I will say this, Democrats once again, and this is why Republicans hate early voting, Democrats on the ground got the early vote out. The early vote numbers were overwhelmingly in favor of Tom Suozzi, the Democratic candidate up for this House seat. And it proved to be quite useful. Now, the MAGA wing of the GOP will probably just want to pin this one again on Ronna McDaniel, who got booted or resigned, I should say, from being chair of the Republican National Committee. They'll want to blame her for this loss and all the other losses that the GOP has suffered since 2016, since after 2016, I should say. They, they keep wanting to blame anybody but the obvious orange elephant in the room, the one with the funny hair. They want to blame, in fact, they're doubling down on the orange elephant in the room. There's a push to get Laura Trump, Eric Trump's wife, wife right? <laughs> There's an effort to get Laura Trump to be chair of the Republican National Committee. They're doubling down on Trump again. Now, make no mistake, I don't even have crocodile tears for Ronna McDaniel Romney. I do not, because like so many others in the GOP, Nikki Haley, I'm coming for you later, she didn't stand up to Donald Trump and the MAGA culture even before she got steamrolled by them. It's why I, I can only kind of like, I can't even hug Liz Cheney. I might give her a handshake, maybe a fist dap. Hey, J6 stuff, that was good. Where were you in 2016, 2017, 2018, 2019, 2020? Only January 6th was just too much for you. The same goes for the Ronna McDaniels of the world. Yeah, I don't want to hear your anti-Trump rhetoric because you lost your job. The same, again, I'm going to come for Nikki Haley a little bit later. Nikki Haley suddenly has a lot of negative things to say about Donald Trump. She had none of that to say while 
UN ambassador. Sorry, I can't I, I, I can't trust you and, and and your your beliefs now when we saw what we saw, we knew what we knew, and you did too, and you said absolutely nothing. Okay, some uh, state races to report. We have uh, uh, former state representative Tim Bearden. He won a special election for the state Senate, the seat that was vacated by former state Senator Mike Dugan, who's now running for Congress. So he will now be sworn into the Georgia State Senate. There was also a special House race back in my home county, House District 125 in Columbia County. There will be a runoff between uh, former County Commissioner Gary Richardson and 21-year-old social media sensation C.J. Pearson. I could do a whole segment about that kid, but I won't yet. Soon, maybe. We'll see. Rebecca Gaunt joins me next to discuss her story in The Courier this morning. Fired Cobb County School teacher Katie Rinderley is coming at the Board of Education with another lawsuit. That one, The Ron Show, returns on the America One Radio app, AmericaOneRadio.com, or wherever you podcast. This is The Ron Show, and I am your host, Ron Roberts. Thank you for listening. A fired Cobb County Elementary School teacher has been joined by the George Association of Educators and a currently employed special education teacher within the Cobb School District as they filed a lawsuit yesterday against the Cobb County School District over its vague policies created after the Georgia legislature passed the Divisive Concepts Law back in 2022. That the headline, the lead line, I should say, from the story in today's Cobb County Courier at CobbCountyCourier.com, written by Rebecca Gaunt. Rebecca joins us to discuss this story. How are you this morning? I'm good. How are you? Fantastic. Thank you for joining us. So this lawsuit filed yesterday. Do we know what, what it is that... Uh, Rinderly and the GAE and the currently, this this is what makes this really interesting. You've got a current employee, a special education teacher involved in, uh, as well. What are they? What are they looking? Are they seeking damages, monetary? What what's? Uh, Rin, uh, Katie Rinderly, the teacher who was fired last year, mm-hmm. she is seeking uh, monetary damages, and she wants basically wants her job back and wants her record cleared, um, all the disciplinary uh, disciplinary issues uh, removed. Um, she wants her job the- back. Well, whether or not she would actually take it, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. That's another story. Right. But, <laughs> but basically, uh, you know, just to, to clear her record and, and, and make, make her case about how she feels about her, uh, her firing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know that she would go back or not. But uh, um, uh, And then uh, Tanya Grimke, I hope I'm saying that correctly, uh, she is currently a special education teacher. Uh, according to the paperwork, she has a child who graduated from cop schools, um, identifies as LGBTQ, and she considers it an important part of her job to create a safe space for LGBTQ students. Mm-hmm. And um, so she has joined in feeling like, given what happened with Katie and the vagueness of uh, Cobb County School District's policies, you know, she feels uh, unsafe um, as far as, you know, intervening in um, any harassment or you know, things like that. So, um, and then the Georgia Association of Educators has signed on all, uh, in addition, because um, they are both members, um, which basically, it's a, the Georgia Association of Educators is basically, a lot of people confuse it, they, they call it a union. We don't have teachers unions in Georgia, so it's not a union, but they, you know, it is a bargaining group that t- kind of try, tries to work to make things better for uh-huh. teachers. And they have been the ones uh, kind of shelling out the money uh, financially, they've they've paid a lot of money to uh, help defend Katie. So they have joined in on behalf of their, uh, I believe, sixteen hundred members statewide. Mm. Um, and the as a whole, they are seeking an injunction against 
uh, Cobb County School District's continuing enforcement of these vague policies. So uh, from your article here, it says that the uh, the lawsuit alleges that CCSD engages in, quote, arbitrary, discriminatory and retaliatory enforcement. That's important there against educators mm-hmm. uh, like plaintiffs who support LGBTQ students. So that ties to Rinderley and uh, the book she read before her class. Also, the uh, other plaintiff, uh, Grimke, and Mm -hmm. uh, additionally, that the district's policy training is inadequate. That would make sense, too. That would track with Rinderly actually having no idea how it is that she violated policy when the policy seems vague. And that CCSD has created a hostile environment for LGBTQ students and teachers who provide safe and inclusive environments. Is there some sort of proof that they plan to roll out to prove that there's this hostile environment for students who are LGBTQ plus? Well, the, if, if you go through and read the lawsuit, which is available online, they do give a few examples. Um, Rinder Lee goes into detail in there about examples of uh, LGBTQ hostility uh, that she saw um, at her school personally, um, like the use of slurs um, in it being, she, you know, being overlooked by administration, um, things, things of that nature. Um, basically, basically teachers witnessing these things going on and feeling like it's maybe not necessarily handled appropriately. Mm-hmm. Um, the, some, one of the other things that does come up in, in the lawsuit, uh, well, one is that one of the defendants is Chris Dowd, the head of employee relations. Uh, he was the one that, uh, headed the investigation and he is also the one that was previously uh, worked with the Atlanta, the uh, Red Dog Unit for the Atlanta Police Department and was involved in the botched raid in 2009 on um, the Atlanta Eagle, the gay nightclub. Mm. And he was accused of using racial slurs at that time. Um, additionally, uh, we have three central office employees who are linked to American Vision, uh, led by Gary DeMar, right. um, and you know, which is, is very openly anti-LGBTQ. Um, so that that's kind of the argument the lawsuit's making is that they have, you know, it, they, they have seen this in the in the schools, and then we have uh, central office employees who are, have have been accused of of these kind of issues and beliefs. So we're with Rebecca Gaunt from the Cobb County Courier. Uh, breaking story this morning: uh, Katie Rinderly, along with the Georgia Association of Educators and a current employee at CCSD, Tanya Grimke, have filed a lawsuit uh, alleging that the county has improperly tried to use a policy that is purposely vague. Uh, I, I want to go back to the racial element. You mentioned Chris Dowd, who is, uh, what was his title with the school board here? He is uh, a head of employee relations and the, and the mm-hmm. racial. Tell, tell me why that is lumped in with this uh, lawsuit in particular, because there, there's, there's some sort of the way that the way the tribunal was, was worked was, uh, right. Well, he he was the one who headed up the uh, the investigation um, uh, as part of his job. Um, so he was the one that was in charge of you know talking to the witnesses, pulling in the parents, interviewing them. That and um, and basically that kind of made the at the, at the tribunal. Uh, Rinderley's attorney called him out on his history with the Red Dog Unit um, mm. and basically said that you know he has it, it used it as his as uh, evidence that he has anti-LGBTQ views and okay. that he might not have approached this investigation with, you know, fairly. Um, so that is why he is, is named in, in this. But you also uh, mentioned, oh, you, I think one of the other evidence, there was, uh, there were emails. Yeah. He, he spoke with parents uh, that had complained 
but there were emails um, that were sent in support as well that happened to be from black parents. Those parents were not contacted or interviewed. Wow. All right. Breaking, breaking mm-hmm. stuff. You guys are on top of it as always. And I can always count on you to, uh, to give us a full explanation from the Cobb County Courier. <laughs> Rebecca got that story. We'll have that in the show notes today at ronchoatl.com. You can also find it at cobbcountycourier.com. Rebecca Gaunt, thanks for uh, giving us a few minutes to talk about this today on The Ron Show. All right. Thank you. All right. A little bit later in the show, since it is Valentine's Day, I will tell you all the things. I, I just think this is an important mental health thing to do, and, and, and I encourage you to do it as well, to just list out all the things in your life that you love. It doesn't have to be someone. It can be something or some things or a song, a movie, a TV show, whatever. Just... Give yourself the opportunity to list out all the things you love. I will be the first to tell you, I sometimes struggle with mental health. And it's important for me to often remind myself the things in my life that I love. And the people and my pets that matter. So I'll do that publicly a little bit later. But first, I'm coming for Nikki Haley when the Ron Show returns. Take the Ron Show wherever you go. Download the America One radio app to your smartphone and listen on the go. Or in traffic wishing you were on the go. The Ron Show on America One radio. All right, I readily admit I showed a lot of affection for the return of my man. John Stewart on The Daily Show, obviously. Who are you thinking I was talking about? Anyway, uh, no, it is Valentine's Day, so uh, a little bit later I'm going to show some love and appreciation for the things that I love and the people that I love. And all right, we'll get to that in a little bit. I am obviously smitten by John Stewart. Not in a physical kind of way, because, I mean, no, he's not bad looking. Whatever. Uh, no, uh, I I personally would love to see John Stewart run for president. I just, I think if we're going to elect... Uh, reality TV show nutbags. <laughs> I really think we should consider John Stewart. He, however, doesn't want to run for the office. Damn it. That being said, the daily show kind of tripped onto some truth last night, not with John Stewart, but with Jordan Klepper hosting. Here's how this show started. And I'll tell you where I go. Aha. Aha. Yes, absolutely. That let's focus on that. The big news in the GOP primary is not about Donald Trump. It's about Nikki Haley and what Donald Trump said about her. Former President Trump taking heat for questioning why Nikki Haley's husband has not been with her on the campaign trail. Where's her husband? Oh, he's away. He's away. Where, what happened to her husband? What happened to her husband? Where is he? He's gone. Your husband, Michael, uh, is a major with the South Carolina Army National Guard, currently deployed in the Horn of Africa. It's disgusting. And let's take it and and move me and Michael out of it. If you're going to go and criticize a combat veteran, you criticize one veteran, you're criticizing all of them. Wow. Now, that is the spine of a leader. Someone who will stand up for our troops when Donald Trump attacks them. I mean... Not John McCain or uh, or the Gold Star family. She she worked for Trump after that. But but if you go after a troop that Nikki Haley is married to, that is where she draws a very specific line. That part. That's exactly what I'm harping on or going to here for the next few minutes. I have a hard time taking Republicans serious when it becomes advantageous for them personally to be repulsed 
by the things Donald Trump says or does. Have you seen the the meme, the first they came for the blank and I didn't care. First, then they went for the blank and it didn't bother me. Then they came for me or my and suddenly, yeah, that's that's the mindset of the modern conservative. And Nikki Haley, I, I love that Jordan Klepper pointed that out, that Nikki Haley didn't have any issue when Donald Trump went after Gold Star Families or John McCain or when he called them suckers and losers, those who serve in the U.S. military, didn't bat a pretty eyelash. Not a thing said from her lips when Donald Trump dismissed or attacked service members or veterans until it was her husband. Jordan Klepper wasn't done, however. But this whole thing might be a misunderstanding. I don't want to be a Trump defender. One, because he never pays his defense bills. But I honestly don't think he was trying to insult her husband's service. He was just trying to maliciously insinuate that their marriage is collapsing. So, Nikki, I think you owe him an apology. If you are going to engage, Nikki, don't just do this, how dare you, have you no decency thing, because he doesn't. Exactly. We've seen this. You can't take the high road with Donald Trump. That off-ramp has been closed since 2016. (laughs) If he goes after your missing husband, you go after his missing wife. (laughs) Yes. Take the gloves off. Take them off. For real. Something like... I'm not surprised you can't keep track of one spouse, Donald, since two already left you. Boom! (laughs) Donald, why is it easier to spot a classified document at Mar-a-Lago than the mother of your children? True. Turns out the only way your wife would spend time with you is if you golfed on the hole where you buried her. Oh, see... Yes, yes. Jordan Klepper just gave Nikki Haley some talking points. And dude, I'm sorry, but I have to think you're going to gain some respect for that. You're going to swing some people your way vote-wise. I I thoroughly believe that. The only way you can treat a bully and deal with them effectively is to out-bully the bully sometimes. We also have to never forget, she was one of the Republicans on the dais early in the primary season who proclaimed that she would vote for Donald Trump if he were the nominee and a convicted felon. George Stephanopoulos grilled her on this last August. This morning, we just saw Donald Trump set to surrender. Today, you were asked on the stage last night if you would vote for him for president, support him for president, even if he were convicted on felony charges. Why would you vote for a convicted felon to be president of the United States? Well, first of all, he hasn't been convicted yet, but I also trust the American people. I don't think it's going to get to that point. I think Donald Trump's going to spend more time in court next year than he's going to spend on the campaign trail. And I think that Americans are tired of talking about the past. I think that they feel the fact that inflation has hit them hard. It's more expensive to buy groceries and gas. They can't afford childcare. 50% of Americans can't afford diapers. They're, they want 
transparency in the classroom. That's not happening. We see high crime. We see an open border. And they're worried about national security. Those are the issues real Americans want to talk about. They don't want to talk about a former president and the court cases that he has. Well, they may not want to, but you were asked the question. You're the one who said you raised your hand when you were asked, would you support him if he were convicted on those felony charges? I just simply asked you, why? Why would you vote for a convicted felon to be president of the United States? because I am not comfortable with the president Kamala Harris um, becoming president. I think we would be in a far worse situation. I don't even think it's gonna get to the point that Donald Trump um, becomes president. I think that I'm gonna be the nominee and I think that we are gonna win. And I think the fact that we're gonna let these court cases play out, everyone's innocent until proven guilty, we'll see what happens. If he's guilty, he'll have to deal with it. But I believe the American people know what to do with that. And I trust them to do that. I guarantee you she does not trust the American voter to do the right thing at this point in time. You know why I know that? Because she lost to none of the above in Nevada's GOP primary or caucus. or pri- They had both. Very confusing. She didn't win the Ohio caucus. She didn't win the New Hampshire primary. She is trailing in her home state of South Carolina. And if she loses that, she's going to have to confess that Maybe she shouldn't just be trusting the American people. Well, okay. I can't say the American people when not all of the American people are participating in GOP primaries and caucuses. I said when he announced that if there was one GOP candidate that I could, I wouldn't vote for him, but I could honestly just stomach his presidency if he were to somehow beat Joe Biden. No pun intended when I said stomach. Chris Christie. Because Chris Christie... I could deal with this presidency for four years. We'd suck it up and and, and try and lick our wounds and, and get back on the horse in 2028. That's the one candidate. Because I don't think he's an unreasonable person. I think he's actually a rational Republican, and those are in short supply. Listen to him when he was pressed by Kristen Welker what his voting plan was for the presidential race in 2024. Let me ask you, in 2016, you told wary Republicans that if they weren't working to elect Donald Trump, they were working to elect Hillary Clinton. Let me put that back to you now. If you aren't working to elect President Biden, are you working to elect President Trump, former President Trump? No, I don't think so, because I think what we have in this race is two really, really bad choices. But how is it different? Those are the choices. It is different. It is different because we have, this time we don't know if we're going to have a third choice or not. And so I'm not going to make any commitment. The one commitment I will make to you this morning is I'm not voting for Donald Trump under any circumstances. Now, who I might vote for, uh, I'll, I'll wait to see the complete field before I make my judgment. Do you rule out voting for President Biden? I can't see myself voting for President Biden. But you don't rule it out? No, you look, I can't see myself uh, voting for him because I don't agree with his policies. And I have serious questions about his competence to serve another four years. So do I rule it out? I can't imagine doing it. My guess is, Kristen, if those are the only two choices, I'll move to the Senate race in New Jersey and that'll be my first vote. And that's how you do it, Nikki. That's how you do it. You say, "I I can't vote for Donald Trump. He just said he wasn't going to vote for Donald Trump. And to be honest with you, he lives in the state of New Jersey. It doesn't really matter if he doesn't vote for Joe Biden. Because Joe Biden, or whoever the Democratic nominee is, when the ticket is rolled out in November, whoever the Democratic nominee is, is going to carry the state of New Jersey. It's a blue state. It's a safely blue state. He joins a growing list of former Trump officials and acolytes who have said that they're not going to vote for Donald Trump. Nikki Haley, not among them. But who is among them? Bill Barr, 
According to the Independent, the UK Independent, Trump's handpicked former Attorney General Bill Barr has been very openly critical of Trump. He resigned from his post shortly after the Justice Department found no evidence of voter fraud, contradicting Mr. Trump's baseless claims that he lost the 2020 election. Barr told Fox News in December, one of the reasons I'm against Trump as the Republican nominee is I don't think he's going to move the country forward. He will not endorse Trump in 2024. When asked by NBC News in July how he would vote if it came down to a Biden-Trump matchup, Barr said, I'll jump off that bridge when I get to it. Again, it's really hard for me to grit my teeth and say principal conservative because he was right there in lockstep doing Trump's bidding during his first term. But I can respect the fact that he openly admits there's no way in hell he's going to vote for Donald Trump in 2024. Mick Mulvaney, again, according to The Independent, won on a line of Trump's many chiefs of staff, previously said that he thinks Trump can win the primaries but lose the general election. Mulvaney was named the acting chief of staff in January 2019. However, Mr. Mulvaney was tapped to serve as a special envoy for Northern Ireland. He stepped down from that post January 6th, since discussed his own stance on the 2024 election, saying, quote, I am working hard to make sure that someone else is the nominee. He told NBC News that in July, adding, I think he's the Republican who is most likely to lose in a general election of all our leading candidates. If anyone can lose to Joe Biden, it would be him. John Bolton, the former National Security Advisor, said he will not vote for Trump in 2024, also stating, I think in private, honest conversations, almost all of Trump's cabinet members and other senior advisors would agree Trump is not fit to be president. If only they'd had an amendment to deal with that while they were in office. What is that amendment? Again, that's cool, man. Grateful to hear that you're going to be one of a notable handful of former Trump officials and cabinet members who won't be voting for him in 2024. It actually frightens the hell out of me to think who will be on the Trump cabinet should Donald somehow win and get to hold office, if not convicted, because a lot of reliable names within the GOP are saying, mm -mm, not touching that with a 10-foot pole, radioactive, can't do it. Unless, of course, he wins and does hold office, in which case, I have to wonder how many of these proud never-Trumpers are going to tuck their tail and pull a U-turn and go right back to licking his little boots. You know, like Senator Lindsey Graham. Uh, Trump and I, we've had a hell of a journey. I hate it being this way. Oh my God, I hate it. From my point of view, he's been a consequential president. But today, first thing you'll see, all I can say is uh, count me out. Enough is enough. I've tried to be helpful. Lindsey Graham last April has come back to Donald Trump. I want to turn back to 2024. You have endorsed former President Trump, as I mentioned. There are two candidates in the race from your home state of South Carolina, former U.N. ambassador yeah. uh, and South Carolina governor Nikki Haley and your colleague in the Senate, Tim Scott. They've announced their own runs, or in Tim Scott's case, an exploratory committee. Why shouldn't South yeah. Carolinians vote for one of their own? Well, both of them are just incredible people. Uh, Tim is uh, the ranking member on banking, <laughs> the world's nicest man. Nikki was a tremendous voice at the U.N. 
Uh, the reason I'm with President Trump is I thought he was a good president on the things that mattered the most. We had a secure border. Uh, we destroyed the caliphate. We had energy independence. I think he's the right person to fix the problems that we face to undo all the damage by Biden. It's not anything about Nikki or Tim that I find fault in. It's about the ability of President Trump to get things done that should be done. I'd like to see him have another term. I'm not supporting him because I find fault in others. I'm supporting him because I think he was a very effective president across the board, economically and on national security. <laughs> but he can't find fault with this guy after January 6th or even anything that he's uttered since or before. Dude, this is why you cannot trust Republicans back after this. Final segment of the Ron Show for Wednesday, Valentine's Day, also hump day. Just let that wash over you there. <laughs> uh, so I decided I want to spend my last segment doing what I think is kind of a healthy mental health exercise. And uh, I make it no secret because I think it's important that we be open and honest about uh, our mental health when we struggle, when we're having peaks and valleys. The peaks are easy to spot. The valleys sometimes aren't. I'm reminded that Robin Williams was one of the funniest human beings on the planet. Did anybody ever think Robin Williams was having a rough go of it? And yet, Robin took his own life. I'm very public, as I can be, at least with my friends on social media, when I am not having my best day, my best week, my best month, my best year. It's been a, honestly, if I'm being honest, it's been a rough five-year stretch <laughs> for me. I, I have good days. I have bad days. Uh, I enjoy doing this show. This show is good for my mental health, uh, even if the antics on the other side of the aisle drive me absolutely batshit. This show is a healthy outlet for me. It's uh, something that uh, I needed to do. I didn't know it until I just kind of stumbled into it. And I want to thank Jeremy Brazil uh, and America One Radio for giving me the opportunity. And I, as I said at the start of the show, I was going to spend some time on the show talking about the things that I love. I love doing this show. Sometimes it's a pain in the ass. Sometimes it's an inconvenience. I have obviously rearranged my schedule a little bit. That's why the show airs now 9 to 10 a.m. Weekdays on America One Radio, replays 5 to 6 p.m. But I love having this show as an outlet. And I love getting to... Uh, express uh, my views and views that I think don't often get enough attention on the left side of the spectrum. Not just left of center, but the leftist side of the spectrum. When I started this show, I don't think there was a, a whole lot of conversation uh, in audible terms, podcasts, uh, radio, or otherwise, uh, about the cops, uh, the Stop Cop City movement. I love that we have young people who are vocally active and bringing attention to uh, a hyper-policed and if quite frankly failed mission to hyper-police our cities, our states, our country. When has, when has it ever brought peace? Just completely overwhelming people with a police state. I love that that folks are bringing attention to that. And I love that we have Dr. Jackie Eccles, who is working with the South River Watershed Alliance, to bring to light the fact that where they want to build the Atlanta Public Safety Training Facility is 
bad environmentally, and that it's a repudiation of prior agreements to turn that property into park land for nearby residents to enjoy. So obviously it's Valentine's Day, and I want to point out the things that I that I love. I think it's a healthy mental health exercise. I do. Uh, I do. I love. I love this show. I love that America One Radio gave me the opportunity. Um, I love my cats. <laughs> I know it's weird. People who know me think it's super weird that I love my cats the way I do, but I love my cats. Uh, I'm a divorced man uh, with very little family left on this earth, um, and they're my family, and I love them, and I, I hate that I have to share time with them. Yeah, that's something that's uh, not a healthy mental health situation for me, but there's no reasoning with uh, my former spouse about that. So it is what it is. I enjoy the time that I have with them and I relish it. And uh, my friends sometimes don't understand that I'd rather stay home. I'd rather not go out to eat. I'd rather not go to the club. I'd rather stay home, spend time with them. And even when I do make plans sometimes to spend time away from home when I do have them, if cat's on the lap, or they're being super sweet and affectionate. I'm just, you're, it's going to have to wait. I totally get why people love their cats and dogs. It's literally an unconditional amount of love that you get from them. I love my, my close circle of friends. It's taken, it's taken all this time in my life to learn who my real friends are. Uh, I love my friends, Angie and Bobby and uh, Stephanie and Shirley and my best friends, uh, Daryl and Sonia. And I love my friend, uh, Greg and I love Dave and Chiggy, uh, fantastic friends. Ludwig and William, blessed to see them get married last November uh, in the Dominican Republic. Love them dearly. Miss Alberta, who was there for me earlier this week when I had a blown tire. I was just at such a low, and I was in her area, and I reached out to her, and she came and hung out with me and put me in a good mood right away. I needed that. I love her. I'm sure I'm forgetting some. I love my neighbors. I have fantastic neighbors in the community I live in, and I Hope I get to continue enjoying being in their presence uh, for as long as possible. I love my karaoke crew, and I really love Ash and Jen and their daughter Zoe. So thoughtful. They got me custom cat socks with my cat's two faces on the socks. Can I just tell you, that's the best Christmas gift I got last year. Hell, I didn't get many Christmas gifts. Not that I'm counting, but it was the best Christmas gift I got. Socks! Real estate is a grind. Do I love it? I, I do. I love the result. And that's why I continue to strive and continue to talk to folks about uh, their options when it comes to uh, getting out of uh, renting and, and making their landlords wealthy versus becoming that first-time home buyer and beginning the path to growing their own personal and familial and generational wealth. When you see that happen and the light comes on in their eyes, I love that. Absolutely love that. I'm not one of those folks that have commission breath, I'm not going to chase you down or force you into sitting down and having a, a, a conversation with me about residential real estate. But if you want to, please, by all means, I would love to talk to you about that. If that's a path you want to take or a path you want to grow your wealth on, I'm happy to discuss that with you. 404-919-2725. Ron at rononthereal.com. I love that. That's what I love doing. Um, I do love uh, my side passion, playing softball. Uh, do I love being on the league board I'm on? It's a chore, but I love making the league stronger in whatever realm I can. I love playing. I love my teammates. This is, this is the healthy exercise, right? Just to, to 
Talk about the things that you do love. Because when you have these lows, and I have had some lows, man, it's it's been it's been tough. The real estate market's been really tough since last September. Interest rates kind of really cooled people off. There's usually a lull that starts in uh, November through January. It started in September. And uh, houses that you you know you have listed that you don't sell. I wound up helping someone lease a house, but there was about fifteen thousand dollars in commission that didn't show up because the market got crazy and it's just hard to sell a house and they wanted to go ahead and get at least pretty fast. So they did. And that's fine. I appreciate them. And I love my friend, Mike, for hooking me up with that client. And I love referrals, man. I love when my friends say, you know what? This guy really knows what he's doing. You should work with him. I love that. And I love people who respect me enough to honor me with that. I love my buddy, Dr. Zach, my chiropractor friend back in South Carolina, who reaches out to me when I just need to talk to somebody. And he senses that. I love that about him. I love that I can count on Melita Easters and Andrew Heaton and Alex Joseph and Rebecca Gaughan from the Cobb County Courier who was on earlier today. My friend Mal Hyman who announced he's running for Congress in South Carolina. I love that I can count on them to come on the show when necessary, when needed. And I love that you listen. Thank you so much. 9 to 10 and 5 to 6 p.m. weekdays on the American One Radio app, AmericanOneRadio.com, or wherever you podcast afterwards. Show notes at ronshowatl.com. Happy Valentine's Day. Love you.